Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. As usual, I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find all of the content we produce, whether it's my interview with Will Barton, which is up on MileHighSports.com, whether it's just game recaps or newsers of what is going on in the day-to-day world of the Denver Nuggets and how it pertains to them. Whatever you may be looking for, it is likely on MileHighSports.com. In addition to that, we cover all sports across the across the Mile High City. So you'll get Broncos, you'll get Avalanche, you'll get Rockies. We got lacrosse stuff. We got motorsports. There is so much stuff on that site. So make sure you go to MileHighSports.com and just start reading through all of it. I am going to do a mailbag podcast today. I think I picked something like 12 questions or something like that for that different fans or listeners of the show had sent in to be able to have discussed by me on the show. So I'm going to dive into all of those in addition to just kind of hitting some news. Uh, it's been a crazy week, so I have not had a podcast in something like five or six days. So I'm going to hit a bunch of news, talk about Thomas Welsh getting waived, Tory Craig being on the select team, the odds going up that Plumlee mixed the USA team. Jamal Murray's ankle injury, taking him away from the FIBA World Cup, Vlako Chanchar officially signing his contract, and the Nuggets also getting a Christmas Day game against the, against the New Orleans Pelicans in Denver. So there's a ton of stuff to catch up on, despite it only being like five or six days since the last podcast. So I'll dive into each piece of those news. I'll, di- I'll dive into all kinds of different questions from listeners and things like that. Before we go any further, though, it's time to pay some bills. First of all, thank you to the Regulators Production Group for making the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. Go check out at Regulators Regime on Instagram or at Rod Simba, that's R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A, on Instagram for any conversations about all the audio production uh, stuff that they put together for everybody. The Regulators Production Group is fantastic at what they do, and I highly recommend giving them a shout. Also, this podcast is, like I said, presented by uh, Mile High Sports. That is the home of the podcast. That is where you will find this podcast put out to the world. So definitely go check out MileHighSports.com. And also, the benefactor of the show is Terrapin Care Station. So for any of your cannabis goods in the Denver metro area, make sure to go check out Terrapin Care Station. So here is a quick word from them before we get going. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that 
that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. So let's just start out with, again, all of the news that has kind of circulated around as the Nuggets have kind of just been going through this offseason. So we'll start out with the saddest news, which is Thomas Welsh has been waived. I know he was a fan favorite. There were a ton of people who liked him. He was probably the nicest player I have ever interacted with. Um, The guy was just through and through one of the nicest human beings that I have ever spoken to. But honestly, this was kind of just coming from the second that Bull Bull was drafted. There's no room for two project centers on a roster. There just isn't, even with a two-way contract. So, in my opinion, the second that the Nuggets had drafted Bull Bull, it was kind of the writing on the wall that Thomas Welsh was not going to be in Denver. So kind of just sucks it is what it is I do think that there is still a market for him as a G League player or could get a good amount of money overseas Um, he has a chance to be an NBA player but he's got to do a few things to get there Um, he needs to hit threes at a high clip consistently he's got to be a strong rebounder he needs to keep growing as an offensive passer and that and that Nikola Vucevic kind of a role and be good enough on defense not to be a negative he's a decent far you know decent step away from that he's been fine shooting threes He's been fine as a rebounder. He's not necessarily strong in either of those regards, but he needs to continue growing as a passer, and his defense is still pretty damn far away. I do think that he could have a very lucrative career overseas if he wants to, but it seems more like he'll end up in the G League to try and find his way back into the NBA. So we'll see. It sucks Thomas Welsh is waived. He was a Nuggets fan favorite. Will Barton called him his favorite rookie. I mean, he was beloved on the team, but sometimes this is just how it goes, and he just didn't have the talent level that the Nuggets were looking for, especially after drafting Bull Bull in the second round. Uh, Torrey Craig has been added to the USA men's select team heading to the uh, FIBA World Cup. So what this means is it's essentially the practice squad. They're, the select team is the usually made up of a lot of young players. They practice and go against the actual men's national team. So for Torrey Craig to be there, though, it's a great opportunity for him to continue to showcase that he does belong in the NBA and that he is a very good player. Um, the fact that he was even offered this spot tells me that his clout is being elevated around the league. So that's a very cool thing, and he'll be able to be coached by Jeff Van Gundy, who is a very, very good coach, well renowned around the NBA community. So very cool to see him get that opportunity. I don't have a whole lot more of information that I want to dive into when it comes to that. It's cool that it's going to happen, but there's not a whole lot that you can gain from it. Um, all I know is that Tory Craig will show the world what he can do in that stage with those level of NBA players around him, and he'll be able to be coached by Jeff Van Gundy for a little while. So nothing but a great opportunity for him. Um, in addition to that, well, we're going to stay on the FIBA World Cup. Two more topics to hit. Um, the odds that Mason Plumley actually makes the USA men's national team going into the FIBA World Cup continues to go up and up and up. Julius Randle, Montrez Harrell, and Andre Drummond have all dropped out. Um, so now you're looking at like Miles Turner and you have Mason Plumley as your two legitimate bigs that they can go with. So I would be very surprised if Mason Plumley does not make the roster at this point. Only 12 players go, and I believe there's only 14 players left on the roster. 
roster so that they would need to eliminate two more players for him to actually make the roster, but we'll see. He has experience. He won uh, gold with FIBA with the with the men's FIBA World Cup team in 2014. So we'll see if he makes it. it looks like the odds are in his favor that he makes it. Uh, some bad news when it comes to FIBA. Not for the Americans, for the Canadians. Jamal Murray, according to Blake Murphy of the Athletic, has some kind of ankle injury that is keeping him from playing it for Team Canada going into the FIBA World Cup. So that hurts a lot for them. They needed Jamal Murray to be that primary initiator and the primary offensive weapon with RJ Barrett also stepping away with an injury as well. Um, there's no confirmed injury for what is actually going on. I don't know which ankle is hurt. I don't know how severe it is. There just isn't a whole lot of information readily available as to what is going on with that injury, but it does seem like, well, it has been confirmed by Blake Murphy that Jamal Murray is not going to play in the FIBA World Cup. He's basically just out now. It does seem like he'll be there with the team, but from what I understand, he will not travel to the World Cup or for the ex- or for the exhibition games prior to that. Alright, two more pieces of news. Vlako Chanchar is officially signed with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, this was originally brought out, um, this was, I think it was originally broken by Mike Singer of the, of the Denver Post, but it became official when the Nuggets sent out their team news release email that Vlako had officially signed, what was specified as a multi-year deal. Uh, again, Mike Singer of the, of the Denver Post then reported that it is a three-year deal with a team option in the third year. So cool to see Vlako around. We're not, I mean, he's not going to be some gigantically important player, but he's that break in case of emergency type guy. I did a big podcast on him earlier, so if you want to learn more about Vlako and who he is, go back and listen to that podcast. I think it was like three or four pods ago. So um, I outline who he is, what he brings, what he can do on the floor, and what role he could fill for the Nuggets in that podcast, which in my opinion is kind of a baseball utility player where he can play two, three, or four in different roles and just kind of a break in case of emergency player if there's a lot of injuries. Last piece of information is that the Nuggets have gotten a Christmas game for the first time since 2012-13. It will be in Denver and it will be against the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson. So that's going to be fun. I cannot wait. I know there's a lot of families out there who would rather, you know, be with their family on Christmas, but I am none of those. I would much rather be able to cover a basketball game on Christmas, which is going to be endless amounts of fun in my opinion. But that is the news. So now, after that, it is now time to dive into the mailbag portion of this podcast. dive into the mailbag episode part of this podcast but before I do that I want to say thank you to everybody because it's just so cool when I have the opportunity to involve listeners of the show and Nuggets fans into what I'm trying to create with this podcast so when I put out just ask me Nuggets questions and I get like 40 responses that's just really really cool Um, I'm not trying to be too self-righteous or too excited about my own individual accomplishments when it comes to this or the fact that people listen for me it's just a thank you to you guys that you have allowed this show to grow in the way that it has and to take part in it and to be an actual, you know, 
instrumental portion of what makes the show so fun for me to do. So thank you everybody, especially a lot of the guys who come in and sending questions significant or you know constantly. Uh, Chandler Jenkins is one of them. CT Fazio on Twitter is one of them. Uh, Igor Konofsky. Sorry if I said your name wrong, but there's just so many people who are consistently asking questions and consistently contributing to the show, and it means the world to me. So I just wanted to say thank you. But Let's dive into these questions. Chandler Jenkins asks, what are the realistic steps forward for Monte Morris next year? It's really interesting for this conversation because Monte Morris is extremely good as it is. I mean, he is who he is. He is a steady, high IQ, mistake-free point guard who just always makes the right decision. So how does he get better from that? In my opinion, his ability to play 82-plus games per season. His body started to wear down as the season went along, which makes sense because, like he said at his um, exit interviews, it was like playing three college seasons for him, which totally makes sense because he only played two games with the Nuggets the year before. It was only like 20 minutes, and he only played some G League games. So for him to suddenly play this many games, 90-something games, that's a lot of a burden to put on your back when you're not used to playing those kinds of minutes though that amount of games in a single season so Monte said that he's going to try and get his core stronger his legs stronger just overall get stronger so that he's able to perform at a high level even when you get into the second round of the playoffs and you're exhausted so he's trying that's the big thing is being able to play a full season plus the playoffs and still be the best version of himself in addition to that he's trying to uh, from in my opinion he could uh, diversify his finishing ability at the rim he is a very good finisher, but in my opinion, now that he is a known entity, people are going to be able to sit on certain moves that he does. He goes for the fading away one-handed finishes as he absorbs contacts. He has probably about six or seven different moves that he goes to. So to see him get more creative with his finishing ability would be a very good thing in my opinion and then continue to improve defensively. He was much better than advertised defensively last year but I think he can still take some significant steps forward if he continues to do what he can to become a better defender. So Monte is good. If Monte is the exact same Monte next year and he just plays at that level for a longer portion of the season, there's no need to get more out of him. He fills a particular role. But as an individual growth, as a player, I think that diversifying his finishing ability at the rim and being able to consistently be a three-point threat and then be a better uh, defender, even though he's already a pretty good defender, are ways that he can be a better individual player despite his role. Uh, Peter Toll had two different questions. So the first one was, if you had to put together a nine-man rotation, who would start at small forward and who fills out the bench rotation? Uh, this is a tough question. So before I answer it, I want to say that I would imagine that Michael Malone goes with a 10-man rotation to start the year. I don't think there's any reason to push guys into a nine-man rotation early in the year when you have so much talent. But if I'm going to make a nine-man rotation, it would be this way. So first of all, the starters would be Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton at small forward. I fully expect Will Barton to start. Um, I have not been told it's confirmed he's going to start. That is just my assumption that I have made. Then Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic. Off the bench, I would say it's Jeremy Grant, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, and then probably Torrey Craig. Uh, maybe some Mason Plumlee sprinkled in. He would be my 10th man. Like I said, I imagine Michael Malone will play a 10-man rotation. Not 9, but Plumlee is that guy on the fringes, in my opinion. 
um, I did not add Michael Porter Jr. And the reason why, again, is because he has not played basketball in two years. He couldn't play summer league, didn't play all of last year, and all these injuries that have piled up between two back surgeries, drop foot, um, this MCL issue, the hip issue before the draft, all these things. I, he's, again, a non-factor until he is a factor. So for me, I did not include him in this. You would probably put him over Torrey Craig if he is able to play. So that's the way that I see it. Um, and then the second question from Pete Toll was, who do you see making a major leap forward this year? Um, I just picked three names that I think are going to have the best opportunity to take leaps forward next year. Uh, first of all, Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is... When he was in Oklahoma City last year, he had a career year despite playing your turn, my turn basketball as Russell Westbrook and Paul George ran everything. He was legitimately the fourth option for the more more often than not on the floor. So for Jeremy Grant to go from that kind of a team with a lack of floor spacers and things like that to the Nuggets who have all of these shooters, all of this space, so many unselfish players and the greatest passing big man of all time in Nikola Jokic... The situation around Jeremy Grant is going to be so much more advantageous for his skill set. So I think Jeremy Grant is going to have another career year this year. Another player is Monte Morris because the bench unit just makes more sense. He has a better lob threat and pick and roll partner in Jeremy Grant than Mason Plumley, in my opinion. He's a better floor spacer than him, and he's just going to be a terror. There are so many things that Jeremy Grant brings to the team that Monte Morris will be able to put him in great spots all of the time, which will in turn make Monte have a much better season off of the bench, in my opinion. That is just so much, There, there is just so many weapons on that bench unit with Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Jeremy Grant, and then again, Mason Plumley, Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig, I don't care who you add. Monte Morris will look very good in that group. The third player I want to talk about, and while I would say a major leap is probably a little bit disingenuous, I added Gary Harris, mostly because he hasn't been able to be himself for the past few years. Gary Harris has not been able to stay healthy, and he has not been able to consistently show the improvement that he has made throughout these offseasons. So I do expect Gary Harris to get back to the player he was a couple years ago. It may take some time, but we saw uh, you know moments of vintage Gary Harris in the playoffs where he was a consistent three-point threat, a lockdown defender. And when I say lockdown, I mean absolutely lockdown defender. So if the Nuggets can get the 2017-18 version of Gary Harris, which wasn't his best version, if they just get that version of him, the Nuggets are going to be a significantly more dangerous team on both ends of the floor. And I see no reason, so long as Gary stays healthy, that he can't be that guy. And Adam Mata has perfectly articulated this on his most recent Locked On Nuggets podcast, but there is a very viable reason as to why Gary Harris could not just get back to his original form, but take another step forward as a player. He was showing his ability to play with the ball in his hands. He was showing his ability to take to, to use screens and be an initiator. He was showing that he can attack off the bounce, get to the rim and finish with both hands he was showing that he had some creation skill and has some vision to his game offensively he was opening up his game in multiple ways if he can be the 39 percent three-point shooter he was a couple years ago if he can be a good strong defender if he can be a strong finisher off ball if he can run dho's with Jokic, and he can also add that versatile offensive game of doing a little bit of everything 
the Nuggets now have Will Barton, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, all three different players on the wing who can all run a DHO at Nikola Jokic, who can all uh, dribble, pass, and shoot, and all have a high IQ and can make the correct decision. When you have that working for you after having neither Gary Harris or Will Barton for most of last season in that role, I don't know how you defend that Nuggets offense at that point because you still have Paul Millsap doing what Paul Millsap does and filling in every single gap possible, and then Nikola Jokic, who is virtually unguardable one-on-one. So... If I, I I fully believe that Gary Harris could take a major leap forward next year, and Will Barton in a similar vein. I think Gary Harris has more upside to unlock, but we could see a rejuvenated Will Barton as well, because if you listen to my podcast that I did with Will Barton last week, Will Barton had said that he is healthy and gearing up to go. So... Gary Harris is probably the top of my list. I'm extremely excited to see what Gary Harris can bring to the table, but that's my list. Gary Harris, Monte Morris, Jeremy Grant, and then you could add Will Barton in there as well because of the injury he sustained last year. Moving on. Igor Konovsky asked, and I'm sorry if I said your last name incorrect. I believe I said it right, but I probably didn't. Um, But he asked, will the Nuggets staff gain player popularity over the Broncos? I don't know if you're from Denver, so I don't want to sound like an asshole, but no. No, this this will never happen. Denver is a football town. There is no ifs, ands, buts, or ways to have any other conversation about it. This is not a basketball town. It just is what it is. And you can have a good basketball team in a non-basketball town, but you got to understand that when the playoffs come around, you're going to have more football fans there than likely Nuggets fans. And that's just kind of the reality of what happens in Denver is that this is a football town. It is not a basketball town. So I don't think there will ever be a moment in which the Nuggets players or their staff or their coaches or their team will ever eclipse the Broncos in terms of popularity. Moving on, Spain Pick and Roll on Twitter asked, is Gary Harris a better pick and roll partner for Jokic? This, I'm guessing this is in comparison to Jamal Murray, he did not specify, Um, but this is a really interesting question because it's impossible to say it's Gary Harris right now because of what Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic were able to do in the playoffs. It just is a fact. I mean, they were virtually unguardable in the two-man game during the playoffs. So, while Gary Harris has the ability to be a better pick-and-roll partner with Nikola Jokic than than Jamal Murray currently is because Gary Harris has shown he can be a more consistent three-point shooter. He has shown he is a better finisher at the rim. And with those things being said, sure, he could eventually get there. I'm not willing to say he is right now because Gary Harris needs to prove it again. Right now, Jamal Murray is the best pairing with Nikola Jokic. I would not be surprised if by the end of this season, Gary Harris is officially the second best player on this Denver Nuggets team. Again, Adam Mata's talked about this on his most recent podcast as well. I wanted to talk about Gary Harris too, so we're kind of crossing similar paths here. But he spoke about how Gary Harris was the most consistent player in second second best player on the team for the majority of four of the last five years. And he's right. He is dead on accurate. So with that being said, if the Nuggets do get a rejuvenated Gary Harris, someone who, you know, the same efficient, consistent, steady Gary Harris, he could be the best pick and roll partner with uh, Nikola Jokic. I was saying this probably at the, at the very beginning of last year, I had this take running through my brain and I couldn't get it out and I still necessarily haven't but I'm not convinced that Jamal Murray is the future point guard of this Denver Nuggets team I think what might end up happening is Jamal Murray 
he won't play shooting guard. He'll probably bring the ball up the court quite a bit, but the offense will probably end up being ran more so through Nikola Jokic and Gary Harris at one point as the primary initiators to allow Jamal Murray to thrive off ball or to snake his way into a side pick and roll or side dribble handoff to use an advantage to the Nuggets' favor. So, because right now, Jamal Murray can't just break down dudes one-on-one. He can do it in spurts. He can do it randomly, but you can't consistently require, or, you know, rely on him to be able to just take Derek White off the dribble and create a bucket when the Nuggets need it most. He can do it in flashes. You see him just in, you know, like, you know a flash in a pan moment where he scores 21 points in one quarter, but that does not happen nearly consistent enough, and I do think Gary Harris could step in as that level of consistency that Jamal Murray currently does not have. So I would not be surprised if Gary Harris ends up initiating more of the offense than Jamal Murray in the next few seasons. But at the same time, Gary Harris is a long way to go as a ball handler himself. So it's going to be interesting to see which of those players steps into that role as the legit second option here. In my opinion, it'll probably end up being both of them. So we'll see. But it was a great question. I think it's a very interesting topic to have. Uh, Colby asked, Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Torrey Craig. Which two of those players would you resign and which would you let walk? So I'm, this is the thing, first of all, I want to preface this with. The Nuggets could bring back all of them if they wanted to. They have bird rights on every single player. So if they wanted to, they could just bring back all of these players so long as a couple of them are willing to use their early bird rights to take a little bit less money to stay. So... It's not like they have to only choose two. This is more of a thought experiment of which of those two players do you think are going to be the most valuable to the Nuggets down the line? So as of right now, I would say you re-sign Jeremy Grant and Malik Beasley. And the reason why is because Paul Millsap is aging, he's older, and Jeremy Grant, the Nuggets just traded a first-round pick to get him and have talked about how they have highly coveted this player for years. So in... Jeremy Grant, in my opinion, is here to stay, and Paul Millsap is getting older, so it just makes sense to take Grant over Millsap. Uh, Wancho Hernan Gomez has not been able to prove himself, and the Nuggets have a lot of wings that they want to play, so I don't see how Wancho makes sense to keep around unless he has a just ridiculous year this year. Uh, Torrey Craig is just a casualty of this thought experiment. I don't think the Nuggets would have to choose two. I think they could bring back multiple people of that list, but if I had to choose two, I would take Malik Beasley over Torrey Craig right now. But that's almost like, that's, that's, you know, that's splitting hairs to the highest degree. You could really pick Torrey Craig or Malik Beasley, in my opinion, because Malik has only proven that he can do this for a half season. Well, three quarters of the season. So if all of a sudden Malik isn't that guy next year and he's very sped up again and his shot doesn't fall. It could very quickly turn into Torrey Craig is more valuable to this team for his defensive versatility and his ability to play offense with this roster. So we'll see, um, but that's kind of just how I view it currently right now. Let's keep it moving. Uh, C.T. Fazio, who also sends in tons of questions, thank you very much, he asked, who gets the last roster spot with Vlako Chanchar taking up you know, the 14th spot? In my opinion, there's no reason that Bull Bull doesn't get this spot. From my point of view, if you're the Nuggets, you don't trade a future second-round pick millions of dollars. I'm not sure exactly what the money was, but it was over a million dollars to trade into the second round to draft specifically Bull Bull just to give him a two-way roster spot, and suddenly he isn't here in two years. That doesn't make any sense to me. So 
it only makes sense to me that the Nuggets would make that trade if they actually sign him to the full 15-man roster so that he stays with the team and can play in the G League if he wants, but there's no cap on how often he can be here. There's no opportunity to lose him for quite a while. You get the restricted free agent rights if you do sign him to his rookie deal. So with all of those different things, it just makes so much more sense for Bull Bull to get the last roster spot. I would be very, very surprised if he gets a two-way. Uh, Goat23 on Twitter asks, will Michael Porter Jr. have a chance to win Rookie of the Year? Sure, there's a non-zero percent chance that he can win Rookie of the Year. His talent level is absurd. We all know this. We've talked about it extensively. But the dude just needs to play basketball on an NBA floor for me to ever feel like he is going to bring anything to the table. As of right now, he has not been able to play. So I don't believe until I until I see it. So yes, He's 6'11", with all the athleticism, a beautiful jump shot, some dribble moves, I think. Uh, He showed it in high school, hasn't shown it yet. So the skill set is there for him to win Rookie of the Year. I'm not sure if there will be a big enough role for him to win Rookie of the Year, and I'm not sure if he'll be able to hit the ground running because he hasn't played basketball in two years. So I don't believe, but there is a non-zero chance that he could win Rookie of the Year. Uh, Yasiel Puig stand account, <laughs> which is a great name. I love Yasiel Puig. But is there any concern to be had um, over there not being enough minutes to go around? Yes, for me, in my opinion, I have concern about that. As of right now, there's probably no room for Mason Plumlee, Torrey Craig, or Wanja Hernan Gomez for more than eight to ten minutes a game, just because of all of the influx of talent they have. With Jeremy Grant now in Denver, Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant will be on the floor for every single minute of Nikola Jokic. So with that being said, there is now no more room for Mason Plumlee and Nikola to share the floor together. That means that Mason Plumlee is going to lose out on a big chunk of his role. Uh, if Michael Porter Jr. plays, Torrey Craig is not going to play. If Torrey Craig plays, Wancho Hernan Gomez is not going to play. So there are quite a few people who are going to be casualties of the minutes that are going around. In addition to that, Paul Millsap is probably going to lose out on minutes, as is Will Barton if Michael Porter Jr. can play. And the Nuggets still have Jared Vanderbilt, who they drafted, Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull just waiting for their own chance to play. So there, there's a lot of talent on this team that is not going to get the minutes to grow in the way they need to or the minutes to prove what they can do on an NBA floor. So I do believe there's going to be some concern, which leads into the second question from him, which is, will Denver feel pressure to make a, a consolidation trade right away to ease the jam? I would not say right away. There might be some pressure to be at least talking about a, a, a consolidation trade just because they have so much talent, but the Nuggets have never made a trade out of just needing to make a trade. No, they don't make trades to make trades. If the right deal presents itself, the Nuggets will absolutely jump on it, but they will not be actively looking to move guys just to move guys because there's no reason for that in their sense to just trade guys away just to trade them away so we'll have to just wait and see but i would not say it's imminent by any stretch uh remix asked who has the best shoe game i love this question i just love shoes so that's where i get off on but tory craig is my guy now uh it used to be trey lyles actually his kobe collection was ridiculous he had every colorway of the of air for of the air jordan ones that i could ever remember i mean the guy had like the rainbow collection of every color of the of just Jordan ones. But now I think it's Tory Craig. 
I've never seen somebody go from wearing Concords, just just some Jordan 11s, to wearing Kobe's, to wearing Paul George's, to going back to some platinum tint 10s, to just moving around the shoe world so much. It's almost like he is sponsored by GOAT, just like Kyle Kuzma is, and he's wearing all of these different shoes and games. His shoe collection is just out of this world diverse, and it's really cool to see that he is that he wears so many different shoes. Um, I'm not an Adidas guy, so I'm not a Jamal Murray guy. Um, I really think that Gary Harris has good shoe game, but it's outside of the NBA NBA kind of basketball shoe game. He's wearing more Balenciagas. He's wearing more Gucci stuff. It's not necessarily going to be, you know, high-end Jordans. Like, he does wear a lot of, like, he has Travis Scott ones he's always wearing. He's always wearing the Union Air Jordan 1 UNCs, um, the off-white editions. He's got a bunch of off-white stuff. He's wearing all kinds of off-white. But he wears, like, you know, he he wears Paul George's during the season or Kobe ADs, which, like, to me, they're nice shoes, but they don't, like, jump off the page for me. Um, I'm trying to think who else has really good shoe game on the Nuggets roster. Again, Will Barton, but it's not a shoe game in terms of, like, NBA shoes. He's wearing Gucci's, he's wearing Balenciaga's, he's wearing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, like, he literally has those Louis Vuitton spike shoes that he was wearing all the time. So, shoe game is fire. But probably not in the way that you are asking about. So I would say Tory Craig, especially for on-court shoe game. Uh, the other player too, Malik Beasley has got some fire shoe game as well. Malik Beasley's wearing those cookie and cookies and cream LeBron 15s that are awesome. He has the Kith Supreme Performance LeBron 15s that he wears during games. So yes, there are some other just epic shoe guys on the team. Um, but I, th- I still think Tory Craig takes the cake. Uh, last question, Pelly 18s. I don't know what I don't know what his name means. Um, is there cap room for Beasley and Wancho to get extended? Like I said earlier, when they were asking about which players to resign, which one would, would I let walk? Um, there's enough money to sign all of them because they have bird rights if they're willing to open up their checkbook to sign them all. So yes, there is money to bring them all back. Thank you guys so much for sending in so many questions. I had a ton of fun doing this podcast, but there will be more in the future. Get ready for more podcasts all week. Get ready for the season to kick off. Get ready for FIBA World Cup conversations. Get ready for training camp. It is going to be an extremely fun offseason and heading into the regular season in October. So stick with the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe on whatever listening platforms you use. Make sure to reach out to me on my Twitter for any conversations you have. My email is in my bio and in my header i am at tj mcbride nba on twitter so but again thank you guys so much for supporting the show we will talk again shortly